Welcome to the Vegas Gang Podcast for February 14th, 2013. The Vegas Gang is a roundtable discussion show for issues related to casinos in Las Vegas, Macau, and the rest of the world. Happy Valentine's Day to all y'all out there. And Chuck, you're my Twitter Valentine, so special oh. happy Valentine's Day to you. Oh boy, I'm touched. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so let me go around the table. You guys can introduce yourselves. Check uh, uh, the previous, the aforementioned Chuck Monster, Editor-in-Chief at VegasTripping.com. What's happening, Chuck? Not all that much. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I missed you guys. It's been a while. Is this the first one of the year? I don't no, remember. Dude, we, we did one in January. Oh, okay. Yeah. Seems yeah. like a long time ago. I'm glad to be back. We are back. Back, yes. baby. And, of course, Dr. Dave Schwartz, the director of UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Hey, Dave. Hi there. My name is Hunter Hilligus, and I run RateVegas.com. We're going to jump into our topics in just a second, but I wanted to remind you that Dave's incredible book is available um, in both Dead Tree and electronic format. We talked about the book last time, but uh, if you haven't already picked up your copy, you should go out and get one today. And you can go to dgschwartz.com and get all of the info. Or is there a better place, Dave? I know you've been there's playing a, with the web. There's a better place. Roll the Bones Rollthebonesbook.com. All right, rollthebonesbook.com. Make sure you go there and get yourself your copy. We expect you all to have it. It's required reading for this. And if, you're, if you're just a fan of the book, you can sign up for the – you can like the Facebook page. And I've got a bunch of daily facts from the book and other fun things like that and hopefully some photos too. So a little bit of content, sharing some content. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Very good. Factoids and fun bits. I love those. That's, that's what we're all about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all righty uh jumping right in we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today um, Hunter, can i interrupt just for one yeah, second we have a uh, announcement to make oh what a, oh yeah of course we do i almost forgot thank you so much Please. for reminding me i had forgotten we didn't talk about that last time we'll take it away uh we have set a date for vimp for 2003 and that date is october 19th 2013 we don't have a location yet but we do have a date, so there's no excuses. You guys have 10 months plus, well, okay, nine months, eight months, four and a half months. You guys got a lot of months to uh, clear your schedules and to give the other people the excuses. You're coming to Vegas to hang out with us. Last year was epic. This year, can't make any promises, but it's going to be fun no matter what. <laughs> it's going to be super epic. I'll be driving my Tesla Model S out to the middle of Las Vegas, and as long as I make it there... I will be. Yes. So I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Uh, so VegasInternetMafia.com. Uh, it's probably the quickest and easiest way to get the up-to-date info. Um, that will we'll keep that resource up-to-date. Uh, so let's see. The other thing is if you happen to um, be a high-powered casino executive listening to this and you want to uh, potentially host our VIMP show, uh, we're going to be talking to uh, a couple of friends and neighbors in the casino community about doing the event and finding the best spot for us. But um, we're always looking for new and fun places to hold the event. So if you think that you might be a good fit, feel free to get in touch. Yes. And how would, All right. how would they get in touch, Hunter? Uh, carrier pigeons. <laughs> um, I, w I would like to say if you can't figure that out, then maybe it's not meant to be. Okay. But um, – <laughs> 
You can send an email to me uh, if you want. That would be fine. Uh, editor at ratevegas.com or contact any of us on Twitter. Um, we usually give all of our contact info at the end of the show. So uh, if you can't find us, you can uh, keep listening and we'll give you all the details. Yep. All right, straight into it. Um, starting off with some sad news. Um, Bill Eddington, Eddington, I'd already just, I'm already per- forgetting the correct pronunciation that I was given a moment ago, um, was a longtime gaming expert, uh, University of Nevada, Reno, I believe, uh, who unfortunately passed away at the far too young age of 67. I believe it was cancer. Uh, Dave, uh, you know, I'm sure you ha- had contact with him over the years. I did not know him, but saw his quotes constantly <laughs> in stories about the industry. Um, any color you can give us about uh, about him and his work? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's probably the one person who's most responsible for me being where I am today doing the gaming study stuff. I first met him when I was a grad student at UCLA, just found out that there's this conference, this gambling conference, and this is when I was thinking about writing a dissertation about gambling, haven't really done too much research, and my advisor said, hey, well, why don't you apply and see what happens? So I did an application, very cluelessly kind of explained what I was trying to do, they not only accepted my paper, they gave me a scholarship to go so I didn't have to pay the uh, registration fees, which was a big help because I didn't have funding from the university for this. So this was really my introduction to, to gaming studies and said, hey, you know, maybe I can make a living doing this. And I actually got the job at UNLV because I came out here in 2000 when I was working at the Taj and surveillance was kind of, and was not in academia anymore said, well, I'll submit a paper to the conference and like this will be the last thing I do and then I'll just get a job in the industry doing whatever. Well, I had a job in the industry. so And uh, stopped by Special Collections Library here to drop off a copy of my dissertation. And they said, oh, we've got this job opening for the center. And I said, really? So I applied. So really, I mean, the conference and Bill have been very important to me personally. Now, it's important for everybody because he was one of the first people to really study gambling objectively, using actual, you know, real methodologies in economics, not just saying, well, we think it'll be bad or we think it'll be good. And really was one of the people who who established that whole field. So I, so really an incredibly important figure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I didn't know that he was sick. It sounds like he'd been battling cancer for a little while. 67 is far, far too young. Um, really a big loss for all of us that uh, follow these kinds of these kinds of issues. So, um, you know, just condolences to his family and his friends. It's a terrible thing when something like this happens. It is. It is. You know, we've got his work is really going to go on. We've actually got a program here at the center where I'm going to be renaming our fellowship program for him. And we're getting an endowment together to make that in perpetuity. So there's going to be Edington fellows studying UNLV for a very long time. And the conference that he founded is also continuing. UNLV is going to be running that. And I just spent most of my afternoon going through the papers for the panels and sorting them into panels, not snorting them into panels. And really, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chuck monster gets it. It was really, yeah, it, I got it, it. I'm it gave me, gave, gave me an appreciation of the, of the, of what he did, he did for all those conferences because it was not an easy task, and it's not finished. So the the conference is going on as well. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. Um, 
So again, I'm not sure how much else I have to add, but definitely wanted to recognize him and his work and uh, and get a uh, get him Thank into you. the show for the day. Um, moving on from that, uh, from some sad news to some sort of surprising and shocking news, maybe or maybe not so much. But um, swinging over to Atlantic City, New Jersey, where we have news today that Trump Plaza has been sold. Uh, and it sounds like it's about $20 million, which is like pocket change when it comes to casinos. Um, you know, the whole Trump uh, <clears throat> enterprise has been sort of dwindling and been dismantled as certain properties have been sold off. This is, other than Taj Mahal, this was their other big holding there. And, um, you know, it, it's now been sold to uh, the company that owns the Grand Sierra in Reno. So... Um, you know, interesting, another change of management and ownership on the boardwalk. I'm wondering, though, if this is more like, uh, you know, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic or uh, an infusion of new capital and um, new people that are going to bring <clears throat> a sort of a, a whole new chapter to Atlantic City. What do you think, Dave? I mean, you know, you are our resident Atlantic City expert. Well, really, you're our resident everything expert. <laughs> Um, when it comes to, when it comes to Atlantic City, uh, you know you you know all. So what what's your what are your thoughts on this? I think it's a really good thing for the city. You know, at the price they paid for the casino, twenty million dollars, they can make it work. They can do some renovations, and still it'll make sense financially. You can't, you know, paying one point five billion dollars for something is not going to work. You know, you can't make money. But you know, even with the way they're operating now. I think they could afford to run it with what they paid and what they're going to put into it. But I think it's going to be a lot better. They're going to really work on overhauling the resort. Obviously, it's going to have a new name. And I'm, I'm really excited about this. I'm very excited about this. So I haven't been to AC for a while. What is the status of the property? How is it run down? Is it recently refurbished? Is it somewhere in the middle? How would you describe the property as it is today? It's pretty run down. You know, it's been a while. It's it's been neglected, you know, and this is going back probably I would say about 10 years. They've been neglecting the property because they've been focusing basically kind of siphoning everything off to the Taj, you know, all the premium players and a lot of the money's going to the Taj. So they haven't really gotten those renovations like other places have. You know, the Taj had a renovation about five years or so ago. Plaza didn't. It's a Kind of, it's a very peculiar casino. It's got a very narrow footprint. You know, Chuck, you uh, did you get a chance to visit when you visited Atlantic City last? I certainly did. Actually, you know, uh, they did re renovate the casino floor relatively recently. It wasn't a complete and total utter re renovation, but they uh, they spruced it up. It's really crowded still. Uh, but but uh, they put in all new flooring and carpeting and bits and pieces, and, and it looks. A hell of a lot better than what it used to look like. They, they've made they made some pretty uh, good changes, cost effective for sure. But it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be when I was there. I was quite pleasantly surprised. I think this is a great move, uh, getting this property that's not really in that bad of a shape for peanuts. Location is incredible, and it's right on the beach as well. You know, come on. This 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 is this is insane. Twenty million dollars, insane. You know, it's 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 it is amazing the price. I mean, when you also look at what's likely happening with the Poker Stars people, 
and what they're trying to buy and what happened with the Trump Marina, which is now the Golden Nugget. Um, these are not large numbers compared to what it costs to build. I think there was this ABC News article, Dave, that you linked to on Twitter. It said that the Trump Plaza costs $210 million to build. So this is just, you know, 10%, give or take, of yeah, and that's the cost to build, which is crazy. And that's $210,1984. Right, exactly. So exactly. you got to adjust for inflation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that article was interesting. It also said that. Um, that the that Trump Entertainment Resorts might even consider selling the Taj Mahal, which, you know, assuming that was rebranded, would mean no more Trump. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably what's going to happen. You know, Trump isn't hasn't been involved in a real managerial uh, managerial capacity for quite a while now, so they're really just using his name. And you know, I think as that name has less value as his empire shrinks. You know, the question is why not do it? You know, I remember when the Trump Plaza opened, people were really excited. This was 1984, and this was when Trump was sort of the golden child of everything. He'd taken over the ice skating rink in Central Park, and he was about right. to do the Trump era thing and the Trump princess, the yacht and everything. So it was, it was like, wow, this is kind of Manhattan, New York-style excitement in Atlantic City. So it was a big deal when it opened. Of course, the Harris people have another version of that. But, you know, it's kind of sad to see itself for that little, but it's a, it's really good news. Yep. It's, uh, you know, Atlantic City, uh, of course, we, as we've talked about a million times, is having, has been having a, a tough time. You know, I saw a rumor the other day that Rebel might have to hit Chapter 11. I don't know if that is founded or not, but we know that they've been having trouble trying to pull, pull things together. Um, we'll, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but you know, Wynn and other companies really want to go into Philadelphia, uh, which would probably not help Atlantic City. So I, you know, this is I am all for a new operator coming in to try and mix things up, but man, it's going to be a hard job. It'll happen. Uh, yeah. Buy low, right. sell high. Um, that's that's <laughs> what I say. <laughs> When are we getting the Vegas Tripping Casino? You know what? I was well, just thinking that, man. I'd open a little donut shop and just start from there and then work my way up to getting enough money to buy a, buy a joint in, uh, in, in AC would, would make me very happy. And I'd ha I'll hire Dave. You just got to make sure at the craps table there's a two-way hard three bet allowed. No problem. We'll That's to, easy. We'll have to figure out how to, how to do that, but we've got to have an homage. Yeah. Um. Okay, so that's uh, that's Atlantic City for now. Uh, let's zoom back to Las Vegas and talk about our favorite property, um, SLS. SLS, come into a Las Vegas strip near you. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've talked about SLS, which is the property that is destined for the former Sahara property. We've talked about it a bunch. Um, mostly talking about, you know, whether or not Nazarian and SBE, the company that owns it, would get their financing. And uh, there was an announcement a couple of days ago that they have secured commitments for the rest of their financing and will be moving forward. And it was kind of funny because it was like, and the groundbreaking is tomorrow. Um, yeah. it, was, it was like they hit the fast forward button and wanted to get you know, their shovels in the ground immediately. So I guess, Chuck, you know, you've been outspoken when it comes to SBE and SLS. It's been a topic of much interest on your website, VegasTripping.com. So what are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 uh, 
I got to hand it to the guy, uh, to SBE, because they figured out a way to get the money to get the project to work. They got the $300 million or so from uh, that was J.P. Morgan, I believe, under the contingency that they would personally raise the other 115 or so on their own. And it, and it sat around for, oh boy, a year or so that they tried to get funding through other channels and they couldn't do it. Institutional investors would not touch it. So they turned to the, uh, the U.S. government program of soliciting job creation investments, funding for job creation investments by selling visas to international people with money. So for the price of $500,000 and up, you get a visa card. And I don't mean a credit card. I mean a, a green card that allows you to move to the United States and live here for a while. And then pending uh, proof a few years from now that uh, the property has created jobs, you will get uh, a permanent visa to stay in the country. The upside is, is that there's no block of institutional investors who are going to say, we want the money. Uh, there's going to be no rug pulled out from them by Goldman Sachs or whoever else might be on the other end of the phone. And chances are they probably won't even have to pay these guys back. Uh, at some point, they'll figure out a way to do the math and pull some strings that, that, that uh, you know, you paid 500000 bucks for a visa, take it and go back to Burbank or wherever the hell they end up. So uh, I was a little <laughs> shocked for sure that, uh, that, that uh, they got the funding. Um, but then again, I'm not shocked because they're professionals at uh, – Bending reality to suit their needs, and they do this in every single thing that that they do. All of their press releases, specifically the way they describe things. Like there was a video we linked to uh, yesterday where they just they described that you know it was that the uh, the property is basically in a great location. There's a freeway that goes by it. Uh, you can get to the airport from there. Uh, it's in the sort of in the middle of Las Vegas so you can get to Summerlin and Henderson and they're going to get locals and there's you know uh, luxury towers surrounding the property that people are going to want to gamble at and so on and so forth you know it's just the typical shovel the Sam Nazarian's silver shovel of shit uh, that, that he likes to build into gorgeous uh, embroidered mountains of nonsense so you know even savvy uh, readers of media swallow this shit hook, line, and sinker. Uh, the press, to their detriment, never ask any questions. They basically reprint whatever facts are presented to them as facts because they don't have to do any research. They don't have to ask questions or anything. It's like, oh, this is what we got. They made it seem like they had all the money when they got the equipment from J.P. Morgan, but they didn't have the money. But nobody in the press really kind of spoke up to that fact. If you go and look, during that time, it's like, SBE is coming and they're working on it, pretty much as the, uh, they've got the money and they're working on it. But, you know, it, it, they've, they seem to have figured it out. It does not mean, though, that this thing is going to be a success. Location is a huge, huge problem. Particularly, you know, you can't really walk anywhere from there, I guess. 
You could, but the, the type of clientele that they're trying to get is going to have no place to go when they're there. And maybe that's a good thing, but I don't know, man. It's, it, seems like, uh, it, it seems like even after they do get this thing done and built and, and, and on the road, that they're going to have a very, 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 very tough uh, row to hoe making all of this profitable. We're talking about, a, you know, Jose Andres. We're talking about, you know, high-level bottle service. We're talking about lots of other restaurants and lounges that exist to charge a lot of money for stuff. And it does not seem that they're going to have, because of location right. and lack of Rolodex and the number of other things, that they're, 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 the cards are stacked against them for success. I wish them of course to succeed for sure but i'm skeptical about the long-term uh prognosis for this right i mean uh, the only the only reason the nightclubs can uh, can get away with charging what they do for the booze that they sell is because they create this mystique this sort of um this sort of you know false feeling that it's worth more than it would be at 7-eleven um and uh that's harder to do with the environment that they've got down there on that end of the strip. And so they're not putting in a ton of money in, you know, compared to some of their better financed neighbors. I mean, you know, it's not nothing, but it compared to what it costs to build a property of the quality of a win or an encore or, you know, even a mirage, it's, uh, it's not even close. So, um, you know, it will be interesting to see what they get for what they put in, how nice the finishes are, what how the place actually comes out. Uh, Dave, any any new thoughts on SLS now that it seems like we are going to have an opening party in, uh, in, in the next couple of years? I mean, I don't think I'm going to be invited, but they'll probably invite you. I wouldn't, well, <laughs> they probably wouldn't, but I wouldn't go. I wouldn't be so fast. You know, I would feel a lot better about this if I saw major work being done. And, you know, it doesn't seem like that's what's going on. There's a little, well, we're doing the little things and we're doing everything inside where it can't be seen. It's a pretty ambitious timetable. I believe it was fall of 14. Yeah. Right. For it to open. So that means you've got about 18 months and, you know, supposedly they're going to be doing this huge work and stripping down two towers completely. That seems like the kind of thing they should be getting started on it now. Right. You know, or am I just not as optimistic as I should be about the uh, speed of construction work in vegas so it's only been a day (laughs) yeah but (laughs) yeah but you know once i see the work actually happening i'll feel a lot better about it that was my same attitude towards the plaza renovation where first like with the closing hotel tower it's not going to reopen and it wasn't until i actually saw workmen in there working in rooms and i was tripping over rolled up carpet that i believed it and accepted it was true so that being said though you know i think now it goes from being Sam Nazarian's toy to play with to being Rob Oslin's toy to play with. And I'm interested in seeing what he's able to do. And to me, you know, if they do in fact have all the money and they do in fact do the construction, this is a chance to really see what a second generation Steve Wynn guy does when he's given the chance to do it, to execute it. Right, right. 
Well, you know, he's uh, he was in the press release for all of this groundbreaking stuff. He's definitely still being prominently featured in the in the PR campaign. So they they clearly um, are putting a lot of trust in him to do good stuff. And he did, you know, a lot of good work at at Win and Encore. So you know, uh, he seems like he's well suited to the task. But running starting up a, a new property like SLS is not the same thing as getting in with Steve Wynn to build the town's high, you know, highest end resort. <laughs> there, there are a lot of doors open when you say you work for Steve Wynn that aren't going to be opened when you say you work for Sam Nazarian. Yeah, that's true. But I think it'll be, I, I'm just curious to see what, it, you know, how well he's able to do managerially, whether, you know, Wynn is as good of a teacher as he's been a developer. Right, right. Well, it will be very interesting to try and uh, put some kind of grade on that. But um, yeah, you know, so I, I personally, um, I guess I would say I am not surprised, but surprised. I mean, I think, you know, we, we have expressed skepticism over the past months about this project for all sorts of reasons. I, I think my skepticism remains. Um, I congratulate them on raising the money that they did. I wish them luck. Uh, I'm all for big projects because you know big projects are interesting and nothing happening is boring so um i hope they do i hope they do a great job i i would not want to have my place out there uh where the sahara is next to the empty gross fountain blue uh but they are playing the hand they were dealt i guess Hope, hopefully for them that the fountain blue will be fountain gone at some point but uh that seems to be <clears throat> nothing seems to be happening there so um, beyond SLS, we also got some news of another project in Las Vegas that, uh, we haven't heard a lot about recently. It seems like it's been proceeding slowly, but steadily, which is the Lady Luck downtown grand situation down right off Fremont Street downtown. Um, you know, this has been a project that's been going for a while. The Lady Luck has been closed for some time. They, uh, went in to got the place and have been working, I guess, to rebuild the casino and the hotel rooms and whatnot and, and relaunch the thing as the downtown grand. Um, so, Chuck, you posted about this, so I'm going to go to you again on this one. Um, what, what's the story with the downtown grand as it currently stands? We got a little bit more information than we've had previously. Well, the uh, the property is, uh, is being run by another uh, – there's another connection to the Wynn organization, which is – Right, right. Uh, I believe Seth Shore, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Who is Mar right. yes. Mark Shore is the what does he do? He's he, he's on a board. Consigliere. He, yeah, he's consigliere. He's basically Steve <laughs> Wins. You know, the guy who he whispers into his ear, uh, gets his gets his opinion. His son, correct, is yeah. is sort of the 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 point man on this project, and they have taken the old Lady Luck after it ran out. And uh, and running with the whole uh, with the idea of the the surrounding Fremont area resurgence, uh, they've they've uh, invited media people, not including us, uh, to. Uh, we're not real media, so we don't. Well, they probably invited Dave, but they didn't invite. No, us, they didn't. No, they, they didn't. didn't invite Dave. What a bunch of jerks. No. Anyway, so they invited some folks to come over and take a look at model rooms and look at the renderings and photos and whatnot. And the rooms look pretty nice. They look pretty sharp. The, the, the carpet reminds me of the old carpet at the uh, 
hard rock, but instead of notes, it's got these squiggles and the rooms are red and it's kind of Fontaine bluish, a little modernist kind of bathroom things. Uh, and the, the casino floor, if, if, what I gather from the article in the sun is that they were uh, going with a uh, sort of like a mixed use, <laughs> uh, like loft rebuilding sort of style with it. They're right. just ripping it out and they're going right. to have exposed concrete and girders and, you know, all the pipes and stuff so you can see it and whatnot, which is kind of fun. I used to live in a building that was kind of, that was that. It was an old factory that they had turned into lofts. And I described it often as like Bellagio meets boiler room. So, Hopefully they're you know this kind of thing is is what they're they're going with which which is going to be I think a hit with the uh, the people who are living downtown who are who are uh, involved in this kind of resurgence it might be a good sort of groovy place for for folks to to congregate and have fun without having to fully go into the uh, the tourist area of Fremont Street so I'm I'm all for this I think it's going to be great. Uh, you know, I mean, great on the scale of hey, it's going to be fun, but it, it, it you know, it, it's not going to be Bellagio, of course, or even the MGM Grand, but it will be the Downtown Grand. I, I still don't like the name, but you know, I mean, it's good news, man. All the stuff that's happening downtown is is a win for for tourists for sure. This so I oh sorry, I have one ahead. more thing which I guess I could read later, yeah, yeah. but but. Uh, it made me think after seeing this that that Boyd is in a bit of a precarious position downtown. Oh yeah, you mentioned this on Twitter. Why don't you explain what you mean? Basically, they have had like been in the top third of the properties downtown. Would you say, give or take, sprinkled sprinkled up there? But the more of the other folks have been renovating, they're kind of leapfrogging either to the level or above the level. And by this, they're kind of sinking. So they're going to have to do something to one of their properties uh, to give it a, give it a, a more youthful demographic, unless they're happy just, you know, bringing in plane loads of Hawaiians, which is, which is fantastic. But they're, they're going to have to do something downtown, I think, to one of their properties, probably Fremont, where they give it a full, sort of youthful, exuberant makeover. Yeah. You know, this was uh, kind of a couple of years ago after Stardust closed, I, you know, I was saying that they should really make the Fremont their premier property in Vegas and not Orleans and, you know, reopen the showroom, have headliners down there and all that kind of other stuff and kind of establish it as a smaller but marquee property and really make that the Boyd brand in Vegas, which they have not done. So I agree with you completely. I'm wondering... You know, we've seen a lot of investment in downtown over the past few years, and it seems like people are responding to that. I mean, we saw the rise of the fortunes of a lot of these properties in the trippies, and and people have expressed their happiness with the changes in other in other outlets. I, you know, I have, the, but that makes me wonder. It makes me wonder how much have these changes have they changed the demographics of the people that are visiting downtown Las Vegas? Are these the same people that have always been going there that are just happier about it. They are, feel like they're getting a better value. They feel like they're getting to take advantage of nicer and newer amenities. Or is this a new class of customer that's being drawn in 
that w- that we would that they would not have been able to attract before and and if it is a new classic customer how far can this ro- does this road go how much more capacity can could be brought online you know downtown grand maybe binions redoing their reopening their hotel how much capacity could be brought online before there's people are now you know fighting each other to to win a customers from a finite size pool. Um, any thoughts on that, Dave? Yeah. You know, I think the key for downtown is going to be being the value destination when the strip is no longer the value destination. They're putting a lot of money into renovating the convention center. And if you look at room rates, they have gone up, I think, two years in a row. Don't have them in front of me. But you know, the thing about downtown is that even though they've attracted all these people and it's they've made a lot of buzz from a revenue point of view they're back where they were in the late 80s not adjusting for inflation so they were last year they made about 509 million dollars in total gaming revenue for the whole area which is about where they were in 1986 so that's kind of they're really challenged i mean they're really challenged from that I, point of view i th- i think the market has changed though uh because Derek even mentioned that a good deal of their profit center is booze downtown, you know, instead of gaming. So not only that, the whole market has sort of changed. And back to your original question, Hunter, uh, last year, uh, last December, when you and Dave and myself were at the El Cortez one night, we were drinking some beers at the bar. I noticed looking around that the whole place was filled with younger people and i mean younger just from my age they're younger than i am so they're probably in their in their 30s and early 30s mid 20s and it was filled with those people whereas five or ten years ago if you went to the el cortez it was not that crowd at all yeah i you know of Mm -hmm. course people like to cite zappos and the fact that they're moving their headquarters downtown that, that's going to bring in a certain number of people that probably wouldn't have ventured down there, at least not regularly, from Henderson or wherever they lived before. But is this market, I mean, really growing? I mean, Dave, you know, if, if they are just getting back to mid late 80s levels, that is uh, – is this, is this story of a downtown resurgence not matching up with the numbers? No, because like Chuck said, they're really shifting what they do. And, you know, so in the 80s, it was pretty much quarter slots, you know, grind that out, boom, 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 get a lot of people in there gambling. You know, now it is more they're selling booze or just selling the vacations, and the gambling is almost like an amenity for a lot of those folks. So, you know, I think as long as they can make it work financially, they, I think it'll be successful. And I think, you know, right now, a lot of the properties are kind of breaking even. You know, maybe if they could get a bump, you know, 10 or $15 a night in their room rates, they'd be doing a lot better. Mm-hmm. I think right now they're kind of hanging on, but luckily they, they're not encumbered by too much debt, so they're doing okay. And in the case of Gold Nugget, you got a company with pretty deep pockets that's invested huge in Atlantic City, investing big in Biloxi, so you got to believe they're going to maintain downtown Las Vegas. Right. Another thing to mention, too, is we're still – we still are below the water level, the waterline of hotel room numbers because Binion's is closed and Lady Luck has been closed. Now, with the addition of the Rush Tower at the Golden Nugget, there is 
certainly it's back up there, but it's still we're still filling the coffers from the uh, of active hotel rooms and active uh, bookable nights um, before we even reach the waterline of what it was previously. So if they're down twenty percent in terms of the hotel rooms and they're doing the same kind of business as before, well. I think there's there's a good opportunity for newer newer operators, newer ideas, even if they're using the same old buildings. It's going to bring in more people, more excitement, different things. Throw in the fact that it's really easy now to find where a restaurant is. Uh, mobile devices have made entertainment and social media such an easy way for anybody who wants to know or be involved or learn about things to know instantly about what's happening. And it's bred a... Uh, like a class of people, maybe here's the curious class who just want to go out and, oh, this place opened, so I'm going to go check it out, good or bad. They're not going to wait for the reviews to come in. They're just going to go check it out because, hey, it's new. Right. Um, interesting stuff, I think. So how – well, okay, a couple things. Um, did they Have they given us a projected opening date for downtown Grand? Do we know when that's supposed to be? I, I don't have it on my brain. Late 2013, but I don't know exactly when. Okay. So they're finally inching towards an actual opening. I mean, this project feels like it's been going on forever and ever. Um, the, the question of the name, right? I mean, we've talked about this, I think, a little bit uh, on the show, is how can they get away with calling themselves the downtown Grand, given that MGM Grand... Ha- is you would think uh, sort of has dibs on the grand idea, plus is you know got a lot of money to fight lawsuits. I think the grand is a generic descriptor. If they did, if they call themselves the MGM Plaza, then that would be a uh, that would be a violation of copyright because MGM owns basically that's the corporate name. I just, I, yeah, you may be right, and it may be that – I mean I'm sure that they, but, they've done their work. But yeah, Dave, go ahead. Right. Yeah, but supposedly when the Grand Casino people bought the Stratosphere, they were not allowed to put the Grand name on the Stratosphere, which they originally wanted to do. And I, you know, I heard that, they, that MGM had the rights to the Grand name in the entire southern Nevada region. I don't know how true that is. You know, it might just depend on how good the lawyers are in a, in a hotel property. You know, in a hospitality property, it might depend on how good the other side's lawyers are. You know, I don't know how good the grand, you know, grand casinos lawyers were <laughs> in 1995, but uh, that's what I was told. And again, it may or may not be true. I'll but it's you know, I don't know. I don't. To me, the grand name is more of an Art Deco type thing, that right. kind of right. ambiance. And it seems, you know, from what Chuck has said, it's more of a kind of gritty, retroish, modernish, which would be something I would I would have picked a better adjective than grand, but that's just me. Yeah. I mean it's also possible that they did a deal and they are, you know, they just they instead of litigating it in after the fact, they decided to do a deal up front and that's how they resolved it. I mean I, I you gotta think that, you know, the downtown grand people considered that situation. And I would think also that They've been making so much noise about what the name's going to be that NGM would have already threatened them if they were going to do them. <laughs> yeah, that's quite possible. So I have a question for you guys. You have money to invest in a casino. Would you do it in downtown Las Vegas or Atlantic City, and why? Hmm. Um, since Quick. I'll give you guys one second to think about it, but yeah, I mean, so you've <laughs> got uh, you know you've got two markets that have had trouble um, over the past several years. You know they both, you could argue probably both of them show signs 
of possibly resurging, but you could also argue that they're both uh, have really tough times ahead. So I, I'm not sure it's an easy question to answer, but I would be curious what your sort of gut re response would be um, if if either one of you guys wants to jump in. Well, I'd go, you know, the, I, Chuck, you take it. I would, I'd go Atlantic City, even though I'd, I'd prefer Nevada because I like the, uh, the weather. But uh, I'd go Atlantic City because it's down and... All it needs is some good ideas and a little bit of cash. You're saying I have funding, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if I have the funding, then sure, what the hell, man? I'm going to roll my dice in Atlantic City. It, it needs a big shakeout. And the, the, the Revel thing is a good idea, but it's too big. Too big. So if they take it smaller, I love what the guys did at the Golden Nugget. Uh, fantastic thing. If you did the same thing, I'd buy, I'd buy, I'd buy the, uh, the old Golden Nugget and restore it but modernize it at the same time. And I think you could have a really great, great, great destination, even though it's kind of the hell out of nowhere. Yeah. Dave, what do you think? Well, I mean, being from Atlantic City, I'd have to say the chance to own a casino in the city where I grew up in would kind of, you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd have to go with that. But, you know, if you look at it analytically, so yeah, Atlantic City, even if it's down to maybe a $2.8 billion a year market, Downtown is like a $500 million a year gaming market. So you could either have about a tenth of the downtown market or about $50 million a year or a tenth or so of the Atlantic City market, which is a lot more. So if you get it for the same price, I would go Atlantic City. You've also got the X factor of this internet gaming legislation happening. So I, you know, I would say Atlantic City. It's very speculative. You know, Would I put my own money into it? Probably not into Atlantic City Casino. I don't have that kind of money to spend, but yeah, I mean, if somebody had the money to invest and said, you know, we've got sixty million dollars, and we'll, you know, we'll buy a casino and rehab it, you know, I would say Atlantic City is worth a shot. Yep. What about you? Interesting. I don't know. I mean, my instinct would be um, probably downtown Las Vegas, but I'm wondering if that's mostly just because. Uh, I prefer Nevada to New Jersey. No offense, Dave. No offense. Um, but I, I think you could make a compelling argument for both for different reasons. Um, you know, yeah. just, just as you said, Dave, looking at the numbers, the AC market is bigger. Um, and it seems like given what happened today, you can get properties for next to nothing. Uh, the downtown Las Vegas properties seem like they're still commanding higher higher sums and higher valuations than what we just saw today in Atlantic city. But, uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting question. I want to throw a question back at you guys. So what if I threw in a local Las Vegas property into the mix? Like, so anything from a Boulder strip property to red rock to green Valley ranch, man. Uh, what about places like the palms of the Rio? Do you, or do you consider them the strip or the hard rock? I consider that strip. Okay. Um, you know, I a place like a, a place like Red Rock or Green Valley that's in a wealthy community, um, nice property. I mean, I think you know both of both of them seem like uh, they're potential winners. I I could definitely see myself in a nice uh, nice office at Red Rock. <laughs> My answer is no. I hate locals casinos. I can't stand them. They're so boring. There's no fun. You know, I like the bowling alley and the, and the movie theater and that stuff. And I live there. If I live there, then I'd probably go. But walking through those places, except for like maybe M, uh, I just I, I just want to leave whenever I go into a station or something. I, I would not want could, to 
be involved in business in one of those. You could create a, a new marketing campaign. We're, we're bringing the fun back. We're bringing the fun back. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it's an interesting thought exercise. Um, but probably to give an intelligent answer, I'd have to think about it some more. Uh, <laughs> that never uh, stops me. Yeah. Well, me neither, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, since since you mentioned it uh, briefly, two things with regard to Atlantic City that we probably should have talked about earlier, but there's this prospect of internet gaming regulation, which is one, and the other is the, the possibility that MGM is going to return to Atlantic City and not sell half of Borgata. Both interesting developments that have seemed that have you know had some movement in the last couple of weeks. Um, I guess. Talk about MGM first. I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, given that I think their argument is that, you know, our situ ownership situation in Macau, which was the trigger for all this stuff, has changed somewhat given that we're now the majority owners. And I think the Casino Control Commission was worried that, you know, the Pansy Ho situation, she could put undue influence on, on MGM and was not fit for license. But um, it sounds like they might, they could come back. Um, what say ye on this topic? I mean, it sounds like uh, I, I was sort of surprised. I thought they maybe had written it off a little bit. I mean, they sold a bunch of their other holdings, but um, if they weren't going to get what they thought Borgata was worth, maybe they think Atlantic City is poised for more of a comeback than uh, some people do. Here's my crazy idea. Okay, <laughs> so they come back in. They buy the Tropicana. They turn it into the MGM Grand Atlantic City, put some renovation money in it. Because remember, two of those towers are relatively new. And you've got the whole uh, quarter thing, the Latin theme thing. So turn that into an MGM Atlantic City. And then if they get the license in Massachusetts, they've pretty much got two outposts in the Northeast. If not, at least they have something. You know, I think they, they need something in the Northeast because LVS has Bethlehem. In Sands, Wynn potentially is going to have Philadelphia. It's just good for them to have some kind of footprint in that market, just at least to get on TV for stuff. So I think, you know, are they going to make a ton of money from the property? Maybe, maybe not, but it's good for them to have have something there at least. What I, I'm wondering, um, you know, since they were not, they, they, their license situation in New Jersey, you know, the property, their part of the property is basically put into escrow and including my understanding is including the profits from their half of the partnership have been like sitting in this escrow account, hopefully with some interest. Um, what's going to happen when this is resolved either through a sale or if they are, uh, if, if they are re-enter the market as a full partner, I mean, is MGM's balance sheet going to get this massive deposit windfall or has this been accounted for all along in their quarterly earnings does any do you, either one of you guys know the answer to that because I, I have I don't, no idea don't know it'd be interesting if one you know all of a sudden one quarter they have this massive huge gain um because it's just been sitting there for years yeah let's call feldman uh, let's get feldman on the line is he on, is he on <laughs> skype <laughs> one hundred hours yeah. <laughs> um uh, speaking of uh, the internet gaming thing, Dave, which you mentioned, um, is is Atlantic or is New Jersey going to beat Nevada to um, legalizing internet gaming? That's it's. It sounds like it, it could happen. Yeah, it's all going to come down to the legislature and how quickly they can act. They seem to be wanting to get it done. You know, I think the big obstacle in all this is Caesars, which I don't think is totally on board with it because they want poker only, and that's not what Christie wants. So I think it could be. You know, I think they could really. Uh, Make it happen there. Make it happen quickly. 
Nevada has a bunch of, you know, we've got a bunch of legislative issues. Internet gaming is a pretty small part of everything that we're worried about here. So, you know, yeah, I think New Jersey could, could sneak in. Yeah, well, it's, you guys have that crazy assemblyman in, in Nevada that's like been Oof, in his mind yeah. on a daily basis. Um, you know, so who knows what's going up, going on in, uh, in Carson City. But that, that would be, um, you know, I, I think that Nevada is really in trouble if they don't get in, ahead of the internet gaming thing and become a leader in, in internet gaming. I mean, it, it's such a huge opportunity. And to not make it happen... Uh, I, I personally think would be a huge mistake for, for Nevada. So I, you know, I hope that they, that they pull it off. Um, let's see, two more things I want to talk about here. One is not much of a story. I don't think just important to note for historical purposes, which is the fact that Bill's fabulous root and tootin gambling hall is closed. Um, the former Barbary coast property is going to be transformed into Dry's douche-tastic palace opening sometime <laughs> next year, I believe. So this place is basically going to be closed all through 2013. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like today. My guess is it's probably like a, I don't know if there's a chain link fence around it or what, but um, you know, it's going to be interesting for them to try and do whatever construction they need to do, given uh, the close quarters they're going to be working in. Right. I mean, there's a ton of pedestrians through that area all day, every day. Plus, um, you know, not a lot of breathing room. So it will be interesting to watch them go through this transformation. I'm sure most of what they're doing is going to be inside, but uh, there is a fairly large pool deck being installed on the roof. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I don't know if we have anything to add about Bills, but uh, important to note it's closing, it's passing, it is gone. We mourn its lot. We mourn its passing. We The loss in my heart, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, pers personally, I never really spent very much time there. I've stayed there a couple times, but uh, that was about it as far as my connection to Bills. So I won't, can't say I'll really miss it, but I'm not all that excited about what's replacing it either. So, yeah. um, and then lastly, I wanted to talk about Win in Philadelphia because um, there was Steve Win has been making the rounds um, to pimp his Philadelphia project. And that included an appearance before their um, gaming commission or whatever the structure is there. Uh, and that actually, there's a video of that that's available online that I watched um, with as Steve Wynn gives his pitch for building a property in Philadelphia there on the Delaware River. Um, you know, we've given Steve Wynn a lot of flack over the last year or two or three or four um, <laughs> about, you know, some of his public statements and maybe seeming like he has been focused on things that uh, stuff like politics, which, you know, of course, impact everyone. But um, he, he maybe seemed like he wasn't the, the good old Steve that we'd known and loved as the builder of fabulous resorts. And I think it was fun to watch this video for me, especially because it was like the old Steve sort of waxing poetic about um, creating in incredible experiences for people and why people decide to go to his places versus his competitors. And um, if you haven't seen the video and you're listening to this show, you're probably interested. I would totally recommend watching it. It was pretty fun. He actually also shows, he's, they, he explains a little bit about how uh, about the design process at Wynn Design and Development and how they you know, build these full-scale room mock-ups uh, on usually on property in 
in Las Vegas, where these are literally working versions of the rooms that they would build. And they've done this all the way back to the Mirage Resorts days. But he showed a video tour of the rooms that they're going to, that they would potentially include in the Philadelphia project. And they were really quite impressive, right? I'm watching this on this three by three inch video postage stamp Netscape 3.0 style video. But um, it was still, you know, you could tell that they're, they're really nice. It's interesting to see the design evolution from one property to the next, right? Uh, definitely hints of this, of what they've done uh, on the, on, with the Win Las Vegas renovation, you know, a lot of creams, very light color tones, but also you can, it's, I would definitely look at it and say it's the next step. It's an, uh, it's the evolution there moved on from, from the last design. So I would definitely recommend watching it. I, I have not been keeping track of the horse race for that license and how likely it is that Win will win it versus the, the five other, I think there's five other companies that are competing. Um, and if either of you guys has a sent any sense of that, I'd love to hear it. But it was a very interesting presentation. Steve was in fine form. Um, the good old Steve that we know and love from 2005 was back with slightly darker hair. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you guys saw that, but uh, I, I <clears throat> and had any opinions on it, but um, or the project in general. I, I hope that they make that happen because I think it'd be fun. You know, Steve Wynn is an expert salesman, and when yes. he has to p- turn on the charm, he really knows how to turn on the charm. It's 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 delightful to watch. He knows how to enlighten people and endear them and be a sweetheart. And I'm just just shocked and surprised when he's trying to make a sales pitch about politics, why he doesn't use the same common sense, mellifluous bell tones of kindness and sweethearted sales to, to make his point instead of being a shrill, bitchy old billionaire. He, he, I think he's lost me. I, 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 I appreciate this, but I don't know, man. Once, the, once the, the, the genie comes out of the bottle, it's really hard to put it back. So, I, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, I, you know, it, it was. I thought it was a fun video. I think folks that listen to the show would enjoy it. Mm. Um, but I, I, I totally know what you mean. Um, you know, it was interesting. He told a story about um, Mobile or Forbes, I guess, the the um, guidebook people, and about how he got a call at home about um, receiving five stars for Encore at Wynn Macau and the Encore Spa. And I guess that made the Wynn organization the most uh, holders of the most stars of any organization in the world. And he was especially proud of that. I think it was basically was trying to explain how, you know, say how great they were. Um, But it was, it was interesting. He was definitely given the the full sales pitch. Um, Dave, any thoughts about what a Wynn Philadelphia property does to Atlantic City? Well, you know, hard to say because the people coming to Atlantic City now are not generally speaking the people who would be going to a win Philadelphia. It seems like he's going after this totally different convention group. He did say though in his thing that Atlantic, Atlantic City, City was is the enemy. The enemy, yes. yes. Very now he's getting shrill and uh whatever. So yeah. It's uh <laughs> I, you know, it's hard to say. Because I think Atlantic City is to so fundamentally reinvent themselves that they can't let win. You know, I don't know how much of a destination that's going to be in the same way that Atlantic City needs to be a destination. 
Right. And I don't know how much of a local slot place it's going to be in the same way that the other casinos around there are. So it's kind of, you know, I'd be interested in seeing a little bit more about how it develops. Yeah, you know, he, in his pitch, um, specifically, you know, was was making the point that the casino, much like the designs we heard about for the Massachusetts proposal, you know, the casino is going to be sort of off in this other room, not not a central part of the design like it is at all of the Las Vegas and uh, Chinese resorts, um, but sort of a, a casino chamber um, elsewhere that you can visit if you want to, but the, you don't not not the kind of building where you're walking through the casino to go to the, every restaurant or to hit uh, to get to the hotel. And he definitely made the point of that, and also that he was you know hoping to lure the folks that would be coming to conventions in Philadelphia and want a really nice place to stay. And they talked about the standard room, I guess, is like 900 square feet, so it's pretty mm-hmm. big. Um, similar sounding to what they're planning for. Kotai, you know, these really giant rooms, maybe not a ton of them, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Um, we'll see how it, how it progresses. I don't know anything about the other uh, proposals and how nice or not nice the properties are, but of course, Wynn's got a track record for uh, for building nice hotels. So, And it's kind of interesting if this is a shift of, in his philosophy, if it's not build the finest casino resort in the world, which is what he's been doing from Mirage all the way up through Wynn Kotai. But it's more of build the nicest hotel in Philadelphia right. or London or wherever he's going. You know, it seems like that's where he's going, which is, a, and oh, sometimes it happens to have a casino. Right. So it seems like it's a different thing. I think you're absolutely right. You know, he's talking about, I would love to build a hotel in New York City, right? And it's yeah. like, he, he, I think his, the, the way that he's describing this is the casino is a, amenity that allows me to build this fantastic hotel that otherwise wouldn't make any sense financially. Um, but it's not the reason for its existence, right? It's the, it, it is there to help make the other stuff go. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Um, all right. I think that's it. I think that's it for topics today. Um, so what we will do now is what we call our sure bets segment, our sure bets segment is a part of the show where we get to share with you, our fine listeners, uh, something that we have encountered in our lives that we think you might be interested in. It, it could be related to gaming and gambling in Vegas and China and Singapore and everywhere else that has casinos, but it could not. It doesn't have to be. It could be anything. It could be anything at all. So, with this spirit in mind, I will go around the table Chuck Monster Esquire, do you have a sure bet for us today? Uh, you know, I do have a sure bet for us today, and that would be the internet. Uh, we we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but uh, a few days ago, uh, the New York Times posted a review of the new Tesla Model S car, which I had yapped about, uh, I think, in the last show or the one before it. And in the review, they they state that they broke down and the car, the battery died and whatnot. And a couple days later, the CEO of Tesla responded to the review via Twitter saying, "What we've looked at the logs in the car, and it's what he said happened in this uh, uh in, in his in his review didn't happen. So then the guy of the New York Times came back, or a representative of the New York Times came back and said, we stand by our story. 
And now Tesla's gone back and posted a blog saying, well, okay, fine, you stand by the story, but here's the actual logs. This is what happened. He took a detour. He drove around in a, in a parking lot <laughs> to try and run the battery down purposefully uh, to, uh, to get photos or to try and break the thing down. And it's gone, gone back and forth and back and forth. And this is so awesome, not only because I'm a fan of the car and, and the technology in the company, but just to see a company and a reviewer getting into it and actually having a discussion with investors and the whole world and everybody sitting around kind of watching this. It doesn't really happen all that often. So this is a fantastic thing, particularly as somebody who writes reviews. I, I would love it if, you know, the Cosmopolitan or whoever it was said, you're lying, this didn't happen, you know, when you went to your room. Of course, they don't have locks and logs in the room. Well, sometimes you might have a log in the room. But, um, <laughs> But it's a pretty fascinating thing. So, so I'm just going to give this one to internet discussion in a very broad kind of way with, with a tack on of saying today's Valentine's Day and, and I really, 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 really love my wife. And I'm so happy for her Aww. and me together and, and everything. So those are my sure bets. But I don't want to give my sure bet for you guys to check my wife out. I wasn't <laughs> – you can, I guess, you know, but – Oh, well, those are good ones. I, um, the Tesla story, yeah, we, we talked about it before the call started and, um, you know, it's, it's been very entertaining to watch the back and forth. So I'm sure it will continue to continue to evolve. Um, Dr. Dave, do you have something for us today? I sure do. This is very, very related to what Chuck was talking about and the grandeur of the internet. And it's the Twitter feed of commander Chris Hatfield which has been featured a lot. You know, I know Chuck ran his picture of Vegas, but I just want to kind of talk about this because this totally blows my mind. So here I am sitting in Vegas. I have no idea if the people who live in the house next to me who had a really weird party a couple of weeks ago are alive or dead. I have no idea what they're doing. But I'm following the daily activities of some guy who's in low Earth orbit about 200 miles <laughs> above the Earth you know, in free fall around the earth in a zero G environment. It's just so freaking cool that he's sharing these pictures from the actual space of the earth. And I've got a picture, you know, today he's doing Valentine's day pictures. So he's got a picture of the Canada arm, which is a Canadian. I hope I said that right. It's a Canadian made, you know, external manipulator arm that they have in the ISS. And you can see how thin the earth's atmosphere is. Mm. It's incredible. And you just have these views of the planet we live on. And that just so totally blows my mind. You know, also watch the video of him talking with Shatner, which was kind of funny because Shatner sort of put him on the spot and said, well, you know, isn't it hard? We didn't say, not in so many words, but like, well, aren't you concerned that we don't have the space shuttle and you have to rely on the Russians to get up there? And like, well, what do you expect him to say? Like, he's going to rely on the Russians to get down from there. So he's obviously not going to say, oh, it's horrible. But, you know, that it's really just really neat knowing that we have people on the ISS, doing these experiments, pushing the boundaries of science, and they're communicating with us. And, you know, that just, I mean, that just to totally blows my mind. And it's the kind of thing you never would have imagined would happen, that you'd be able to, to keep track of what was going on in space like this. So just, you know, can't even describe how awesome it is. It's very cool. And to wrap, and to um, tie, this up, tie this in with Tesla, you know, Elon Musk is also the founder of SpaceX. So one yeah. day, that could be him up there. Maybe not driving his Tesla, but flying his rocket ship. Um, 
to go visit the space station. You never know. Uh, and the the space station is powered by solar power. Ah, conspiracy. Yeah. So there you go. I, I have not read the New York Times review of the space station. I don't know. I don't get it again. Five stars. It's a little cramped. <laughs> Ser- service is not great, but no. it's uh, roaches. <laughs> I've got a few things. Um, first off, I hope everyone took my recommendation to buy Apple stock last time. Of course, you know, moments after it tumbled like forty five percent. So um, I think I'm two for two in recommending stuff. Uh, that in case you didn't know, last time I was kidding with the Apple stock thing, though I I, I uh, didn't know it was going to tumble as it did. I was I was kidding. Um, on a more serious note, uh, there's a another Las Vegas podcast called the 360 Vegas Podcast, and um, the guy that runs that show, Mark, uh, recently decided he was really good at skiing, and instead of going down the hill on his skis, I think he went down on his face. And, uh, you know, he is recovering now. He, he had a little bit of a spill, but I wanted to just give him a shout-out on the show and tell him that I hope he gets better. Um, Mark's a really good guy and uh, has been uh, a listener of the Vegas Gang for a while, and we wish him a speedy recovery. Ouch. And I, I don't recommend using your face as skis, just so you know. Viking, uh, Vicodin, man, that's the key. <laughs> I, I fake hurting myself just to get the prescriptions. Uh, well, I don't think you'd be alone in that. Um, I, I, uh, I all, all, all kidding aside, it sounds like it was a pretty serious injury. So, um, you know, we're glad that he's okay and that he is recovering. Um, and then what my, my sort of sure bet that I wanted to share with y'all is, uh, an iPhone app. Surprise, surprise. Um, and at this app, there's actually been a couple of really cool apps released recently, but, um, this one caught my eye and, uh, I think it's pretty neat. It's called Tempo, and uh, it's actually was created by a few of the same folks that uh, worked on Siri before it was bought by Apple and integrated into the iPhone. And, and Tempo, Tempo is like, they call it uh, artificial intelligence for your calendar. And so what it does is it looks at your calendar, it also goes and looks at your email and some other, some other inputs, and it adds a lot of context to your calendar events. So for instance, if you had a conference call on your calendar, and there was also an email in your email box that was related to the call that maybe had the call-in number or some associated documents. Tempo pulls all that stuff in together. So if you look at the event in Tempo's version of your calendar, you would see that email right there. You would see the conference call information. So it's, it's sort of adding a bunch of context to your calendar information to try and make it smarter and make it uh, more useful. So I have uh, been playing with it for a couple days. It's pretty neat. And you can get it on the iTunes App Store. It's free, um, though at the moment there's a waiting list to sign up for it. I think they're, they're adding new people pretty quickly, but you probably won't be able to use it right away. But I recommend checking it out if you think something like that might be interesting to you. That is it for Sure Bets, and that is it for the show. Do not forget to rate the show on iTunes. Go into iTunes on your computer or on your iPhone or your iPad or your iPod Touch or whatever and rate the show. You can leave a little comment. You can leave a star rating. You can do both, but it's a really good way for other people to find out about the show. Um, So if you have a moment and want to do that, we really appreciate it. Uh, And that is it for today. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Let me go around the table so you can tell people where they can find you. Dr. Dave, where can people find you? People can find me at ggschwartz.com, but more importantly, rollthebonesbook.com. Yes, indeed. Mr. Chuck Monster, where can people find you? 
People can find me at the recently renovated and redesigned sort of uh, VegasGangPodcast.com, where I think we're accepting comments now, maybe. And let's get the discussion going over there because Hunter threw in the big mothball. So uh, we're going to move it over. And I'd love to see some comments and discussion and chit chat about what we're talking about there. That would be great. Yeah, that's an excellent reminder. So, whereas previously we did comments on the Two Way Hard Three blog, since that is no longer. Uh, we're now accepting comments on our posts directly on the VegasGangPodcast.com site. So you can go there and submit them. And thanks, Chuck, for your help with getting the, the site sp- spiffified. It looks way better than it did before. So It's kind of janky in a uh, in mobile device, though. Uh-oh. I've never heard of these mobile devices. What, is, what are these devices you speak of? Uh, it's, uh, I got this old Palm 680 Trio. It, uh, it, it doesn't really render right. Ah, but well, uh, we'll get the... Uh, the- the crank team on that. Okay. Um, crack team. Uh, <laughs> huh. we'll, feed, uh. we'll feed the crack team some crank. <laughs> yeah. It might be what it takes to get this job done. Right. All right. Uh, you can find me at uh, vegasmate.com if you want to check out my app on the iTunes store. Um, thank you guys. Have a great weekend. All Happy right. Valentine's Day and all that jive. <laughs>